In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, cleanse my heart and my lips, Almighty God, that I may proclaim your gospel worthily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. In the evening of that same day, the first day of the week, the doors were closed in the room where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them. He said to them, Peace be with you, and showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy when they saw the Lord, and he said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so am I sending you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. For those whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. For those whose sins you retain, they are retained. Thomas, called the twin, who was one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. When the disciples said, We have seen the Lord, he answered, Unless I see the holes that the nails made in his hands, and can put my finger into the holes they made, and unless I can put my hand into his side, I refuse to believe. Eight days later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. The doors were closed, but Jesus came in and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he spoke to Thomas. Put your finger here. Look, here are my hands. Give me your hand. Put it into my side. Doubt no longer, but believe. Thomas replied, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, You believe because you can see me. Happy are those who have not seen and yet believe. There were many other signs that Jesus worked and the disciples saw, but they are not recorded in this book. These are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing this you may have life through his name. The Gospel of the Lord Last week's Gospel began with Mary Magdalene heading towards the tomb of Christ early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. Nothing much has changed in a week. In fact, our Gospel for today seems to have been caught in a time loop. We are still on that same day, the first day of the week. Our liturgical perception of time during the season of Easter may have something to do with this. Easter tide may be made up of 50 days from Easter Sunday to Pentecost Sunday, but we have traditionally called this whole season the Great Sunday, as if it was a single event and a single day. But it is not just the day which counts. It is now evening and darkness has descended on the whole city of Jerusalem and its surroundings. The imagery of darkness serves as a theological inclusion and conclusion for the events of Easter Sunday. The day begins in darkness and ends in darkness. The light of the world has emerged in an everlasting dawn, but the world remains largely clueless and in the dark. The darkness signifies the absence of Christ and their own hopelessness. Despite news of the empty tomb and rumours of a possible sightings of the risen Lord, the disciples remain terrified of the authorities and a mob 
and made sure the doors were closed, locked, and secure. Our Lord had already assured his disciples of his return. I will come back to you, and you will see me. But his seemingly tragic death seems to have erased any memory of these promises. Our Lord now fulfills these promises as he came and stood among them. The locked doors didn't stop Jesus. Nothing could. Not the gates of Hades, nor the stone which enclosed the tomb, and certainly not the four walls and shuttered windows and doors of the upper room. Our Lord came and stood with them. He greeted them with a peace that only he alone could give, and then he gave them their mission. As the Father sent me, he said to them, so am I sending you. What did that mean? Our Lord is drawing his disciples into his own mission. Our Lord has spoken of himself as the envoy of the Father, who has been sent to reveal the mystery of the Father and accomplish his saving work. Now our Lord draws them into the circle. The Church's mission is an extension of the work of the Father and the Son in the world. It is a mission of expiation, of sin and reconciliation. They are not to remain trapped in that room. This is what happens when the Lord breathes the Spirit upon them while saying, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is John's presentation of the Pentecost. By incorporating the disciples into his own mission, our Lord also gives them the authority to take away people's sins, just as he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But the story does not end there. There is a missing link, Thomas. The next week, the disciples were in the same room, locked in once more. Thomas hadn't been there the first time. He alone had the courage to step outside that room. But a sense of great loss had impacted his faith, which remained trapped in self-doubt and confusion. He had spent the week telling the others he'll never believe it until the Lord showed up and proved it was really him. So at the end of the week, our Lord comes again and invited Thomas to touch and see the wounds in his hands and his side, the scars which prove his identity, the wounds that reveal his love. If this story seems to be exclusively about eleven till this point, there is no doubt that what the Lord says next is meant for all of us. Happy are those who have not seen and yet believe. This beatitude moves our attention to later generations of Christians, including us who are reading the story. We may not have encountered the Lord in the same way as the eleven apostles. We may not have seen him firsthand, but that does not make our faith in the risen Lord any less genuine or valuable. Some come to believe in the Lord by seeing him and by being able to touch him. Others come to faith by listening to the gospel. And this is what St. John intended as he wrote these closing words. These are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing this, you have, may have life through his name. Two thousand years have passed since that first Easter, but we are still united with the characters who are present at the tomb and in the upper room. This is because Easter is a promise and foretaste of eternity, of fullness of life that never ends. Ironically, we also seem to struggle with feelings of befuddlement and confusion, 
grappling with the experience of the seeming absence of God, especially during the lockdown spiritual winter of this pandemic. Just as the early Christians attempted to make sense of the empty tomb. Many of us are like the disciples in today's gospel, still locked behind closed doors, initially because we were forced to do so by the authorities and their public health mandates, but subsequently it became a matter of Perto's personal choice, crippled by the fear of the dreaded enemy that could kill us or our loved ones. Although the lockdowns have now ended, many have continued to observe self-imposed quarantines. During the height of this pandemic, when our churches were shut, Catholics could only hope to be sustained through spiritual communion and by tuning in on one among a vast array of online masses. But virtual mass is not an adequate substitute, given the incarnate nature of our faith. The real matter of the sacraments we receive, the sacramentality of our church buildings, and the faces of the people of God. We are an embodied people with an embodied faith, and God desires to feed us with the Eucharist, the physical bread of life, His body and His blood. That reality can't be rec replicated through a screen. Both Thomas and Allard understood this. And that explains the reason for Thomas's demand to touch and our Lord's offer to be touched. For Thomas, seeing and touching the Lord in the flesh beats hearing about it virtually. Today our Lord declares once again to all, Peace be with you. With these words, our Lord is reminding us that there is no room for fear, distress or self-pity for a community of believers in the resurrection. Our churches are reopened and our doors unlocked. It is now time for you to reopen the doors of your heart and believe once again in the power of the risen Lord. The dangers and risks of this virus has not magically disappeared. And although with vaccinations and therapeutics, things have become more manageable. But again, life is fraught with dangers and risks. Fate is not throwing caution to the wind, but helps us resist throwing in the towel to our fears. If you are willing to take this challenge, you would soon discover the wonders which the resurrection can reveal to you. The resurrection unmasks evil, heals broken hearts, vanquishes fear, and ignites a contagious hope that fills human hearts in the midst of adversities, suffering, natural disasters and pandemics. It bestows a strength that is far beyond the contingencies and consequences of any war, pestilence, tsunami or any other natural or biological threat to the human family. So believe in his promise. Happy are those who have not seen and yet believe. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.